Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Welcome back to Ruined. <laughs> we can't I afford mean, that. Don't start singing I know. That. <laughs> Every time I want to sing, I'm like, oh, oh my God. I know. Oh my God. Guys, I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is Ruined. Thanks for joining us <laughs> once that's again. That's it. That's the podcast. Yeah, just us bumbling through. Um, this is a podcast, of course, where we ruin a horror movie for you each week, every week. And every week. Uh, we've also been reading um, your wonderful uh, tweets and emails and thoughts and yes. prayers. So, <laughs> Not a lot of prayers. We have a question this week. Uh, we're working through all of our questions that we get. You guys send so many, and we're so glad to get to Get to all of them. Um, This is from Nell S., friend of the pod. And she asks, the lyrics in the opening theme song claim the point of the show is, so you'll never have to have a spooky time. But then you end every episode by telling me to keep it spooky. Which is it? It's a valid question. This is a great (laughs) question. No, thank you. It is. Also, it gives us a chance to plug our our incredible um, theme song by our friend... Matt Bouchel. Shout out to Matt. Um, here are my thoughts on this now. And I think this, this question, excellent. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to the dichotomy that exists within our podcast, which is I yes. want you to have a spooky time because I want you to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. that you don't want to have a spooky time and yet feel compelled to have one. So I feel like this, yes. the, two, the two competing instructions mm-hmm. are exactly for the listener who doesn't want to watch it, It doesn't want to be scared, but cannot yes. help themselves, which is, Allison, this is your ex- lived experience. This is me. I'm I'm both spooky and, and unspooky all the time. I'm living in, in the space between spooky and not spooky. The space um, between... The sp- okay, <laughs> don't tell Dave Matthews. Dave I'm Matthews sorry. seems litigious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they probably... They need money after they lost it for uh, unloading their tour bus uh, toilet on that bridge in Chicago. Oh, yeah, in Chicago on a boat. <laughs> so they probably want every dollar they can get from us. <laughs> yeah, they need it. Um, yeah, I do think that uh, we, we both want everyone to have a spooky time and, and to keep it spooky, but we don't want you to have to, to live a spooky... Uh, getting away from it. It's really no, no. This I is, mean, this, this is, is some high. This is some high level consciousness we're talking about, <laughs> especially for people who barely remember their own names nor the email address that you contact us with. <laughs> we are we're basically we're worms, and uh, I'm a we're, worm. we're getting yeah. through. Yeah, and we're here to satisfy the push and the pull, the lemon and the lime that is we your are what experience comes with horror between not having a spooky time and keeping it spooky. In that between those two things is ruined. Exactly. Please listen to the Dave Matthews Band song in order to uh, understand exactly what we're talking about. Yes, it really speaks to who we are and what we're all about. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nell. Well, thank you. And with that in mind, we're going to keep our Pride uh, films going. 
And yes. um, I just wanted to say that, you know, we as a society have really done a disservice to all of us by not making a ton of horror movies that star specifically gay men. Because yes. there are a lot of both good and bad horror movies that feature women who love women. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they mm-hmm. are self-identified as such in the movie or they're having experiences that, you know, I think as a viewer, you're like, ah, I recognize those. And it is only so recently that I feel like having a gay couple, a gay romance, a specifically gay male experience in a horror mm-hmm. movie or in movies in general, it's so yeah. new that I really it wanted to have for this month, have a movie about specifically gay men. And yes. just to chide society and tell them to pull it together because I want way more horror movies featuring gay men than, than are currently available. I am like surprised and not surprised that there are not many. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like it seems like there should be, it seems like what a, what a great world to play in, what great characters you can have. Like, it seems so fitting for horror, like, but at the same time, you know, we are we are behind in understanding how to tell stories that go beyond uh, heterosexual and specifically, like, male heterosexual uh, gaze and life experience. So... Yeah, and I, I'd like we're to think, there. yes, we are moving forwards. We are, we're going past the point where we're, you, maybe you could have one character, but they have two lines, and then, you know, they're the first one killed, or, right. you know, which is an issue right. um, in, in the genre with every kind of minority, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's about a screaming, cisgendered, straight white woman. You know, that, yes. that has been the template for so long. Yes, it's true. So we want to do this movie. This is 2019's Spiral in order to have some men who love men included in our month's uh, coverage. And I wanted to say specifically that it is the 2019 Spiral. It is not this year's Spiral, colon, mm-hmm. from the Book of Saw, starring Chris Rock. We will eventually do that, but that is not a part of our Pride coverage. And I will say... The only similarities between these two movies is I don't know if I understand what the spiral means in the title. Oh, wow. Okay. And this is, again, I am a worm, Mm -hmm. and my brain is the brain of a worm. So it might be I just didn't understand it. So we're going to get there. And at the end, Allison, maybe you could unpack for me what you think it might. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have a great grasp of what it means. Um, So let us begin. We always like to have Allison watch the trailer. So I sent her the trailer for 2019's Spiral. Allison, what do you think? I mean, I I think this looks scary. The way this is shot is like the kind of, like, this is the like style of directing and like cinematography that I think is just like the scariest because Mm -hmm. it is very based in realism. Like, it doesn't seem like, like you're just getting like, kind of muted, but natural colors. Like, it's not, like, super blown out. Or, like, so it's just like, oh, this could really happen, even though, like, mm-hmm. of course, that's not true, I hope. Um, but it does, this looks, it looks great. The, the trailer is objectively pretty scary. And I would say that not all of the trailers are always, like, the most horrific. But this one really, I was like, mm, I'm on comfies. Yeah, absolutely. And we always like to take a baseline scary. And it wasn't exactly, I didn't exactly know how to phrase this, Mm -hmm. but how scary Mm -hmm. do you Mm -hmm. find the concept of somebody leveraging prejudice against specific people? So sort of like using your knowledge of how society operates and the biases in it in order to specifically target specific people. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, terrible. Not good. Absolutely not, not good. Not good. That's not good. 
it also becomes, like, I think why this feels so scary is that, like, the reality of homophobia is is still very real and prep and right. present and 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 dark and violent that like even though we're going to deal in i think something kind of like occultish and like out like like totally like made up and outside of mm-hmm. our realm like the reality of oppression is still very very real and when you're like mixing those two is when you're like extra yeah. scary because it feels much more realistic and possible and I, I think that's, uh, you know, especially uh, with, like, recent movies and TV shows, I feel like there's that's sort of been a question is, like, how do you make horror that's about something that is inherently horrifying and right. not, you know, something... It, it, like, there's certain horror things that we all agree is, like, okay, serial killer with a chainsaw, scary, but in a very specific way. Versus yes. a movie about, yes. say, racism or misogyny or something mm-hmm. that it's, like, you're, you're using a inescapable system to make entertainment. Yes. What? How do you do that in a way where it's not like, well, I'm just watching people be brutalized as somebody right. perhaps in that minority. I don't want to have to watch that. Um, so before we begin um, to spoil 2019 Spiral, Allison, what do you think the twist will be? Guess the twist. Well, I think it's going to have to do with the spiral based on... Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer and also your lack of understanding of it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yes, it seems like something about a ritual that's happening. And again, I like to think that the twist, like I always think of the twist as like the reveal of like the reasoning for something or the explanation right. of why it's been happening this whole time. So I like to think that hopefully that's the twist because that's satisfying. Yeah. But also like maybe like surprise, someone else is also gay, <laughs> which it won't be. <laughs> No, it's not a fun surprise. I'll tell you nope. that much. Nope. Okay, I will accept that. As okay. I've already, I'm going to force you to explain the spiral to me. So let us okay. begin. We'll do our best. Okay, great. By ruining 2019 Spiral. It is a Canadian horror film. <gasps> the twist. It's Canadian. The twist. Directed by Curtis David Harder, and it stars Jeffrey Bauer Chapman as Malik and Ari Cohen as Aaron. And they are a same sort of couple. They're moving to a small town is the premise. And let us begin. We open on December 12th, 1983. And we see a young black man and a young white man. They're in the backseat of a car parked in a snowy parking lot. And they are making out. And ominously, a car pulls into the parking lot and shines their headlights in through the windshield. Next Mm. thing you know, we see the young white man. He is being beaten bloody on the ground as the young black man is screaming for help in the backseat of this car. Cut to, it is December 7th, 10 years, 12 years later, it is 1995. And we see the young black man who is now older, his name is Malik, and he is in the passenger seat of the car with his current partner, Aaron, who is also white. And Malik is lost in his... Oh, so that was not the same man. No. So that was his first boyfriend. Okay, that was, okay. So that's like, okay, got it. Yeah, so let, this is sort of Part like- Part of his history, yeah. Yes, he went through this incredibly traumatic thing. A hate crime was committed against him and his boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're supposed to be like teenagers or just like early 20s, but younger. Young. And now he's older. He is uh, has been dating Aaron for two years and he is moving with Aaron and Aaron's teenage daughter, Kayla, to their new home in the country. And I kept trying to figure out, like, where are we? I'm like, is this Idaho? Because it's, like, very beautiful, but also, like, there's mountains. It looks like, um, it was like, it looks like Idaho, but then, like, 
the geography was different. So it turns out it was shot in Alberta, so which makes sense. So it's like very beautiful but freezing. Yes. Gorgeous sort of like austere, like gray, Mm -hmm. um, like mountain ranges. And Aaron has gotten a new job, so they're driving to this smaller town. They're very excited. They bought this house. Kayla has like a very like, fuck you, dad, you don't tell me what to do type of energy, as we all did in high school. Yes. And she's sort of closer to Malik as, like, the boyfriend because he's a step-parent. He's not her actual dad. And I feel like that's a very common thing where it's like, I could deal with you because you're not my parent, but if my dad tells me to pick up my room, I will lose my shit immediately. Yes. Yes. And they're driving into town, and as they're driving in, they sort of have this, like, sweet moment, and they uh, Malik and Aaron hold hands on the center console, and then something slams into their windshield, and the windshield breaks in a spiral pattern. And I don't know what was on the windshield. Because at first I saw it, I'm like, did somebody throw a brick at the windshield? But then I watched it again. I'm like, was it a bird? Either way. Yeah. Perturbing. Mm. Yes, very. So we began, we arrive at their new home. Gorgeous. It's very Frank Lloyd Wright, like a lot of like vertical wood and like big, Ugh. beautiful windows. Home ownership. Yeah. I mean, talk about a fantasy. Something and maybe that's, that's never going to happen. That's what's underlying this. It's like, listen, what do you you want to own a home? Where are you going to have to live? You're going to have to live in some weird little this town with weird people. Yeah. Um, and so they're eating pizza on the floor because they don't have their furniture set up yet. And Malik's telling Kayla about meeting his, uh, losing his virginity, like in his 20s. And he went to some big party. I think we're supposed to be like in New York, like some like gigantic converted church. And he met this guy and he was a huge asshole, but like he just immediately fell in love with him. And he says of Kayla's dad, Aaron, it's like, actually, they were all assholes until I met your dad. And it's sort of like, oh, that's, you know, that's so sweet. And he, um, but as soon as Aaron, like, tries to say anything, Kayla's like, God, dad. Like, she's like, oh, dad, (laughs) like, did you lose your virginity to mom? Like, you know, and he's like, actually, I I did. And um, I was a thousand years old when I lost my virginity, which is how old you will be when you lose your virginity. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, Malik's like the cool sort of, like, you know, like, stepdad. And her dad is just like, I swear to God, if you talk to me about anything, you know, <laughs> um, I will I will absolutely lose my shit. And we find out that um, basically Aaron and his ex-wife divorced. And then during the divorce, she sort of just bailed. You know, like she fought him and then left. And um, Kayla feels very abandoned and blames her father, yes. who has okay. obviously since Fair. come out. But there's a lot of hard feelings from the divorce. And then on top sure. of it, they're moving to the middle of nowhere, and she has, like, two years left of high school. So she's moving in the middle oh. of high school. She has a boyfriend named Derek back home, and she's, like, talking to him on the phone, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened, you know. My life is over. Yeah. I mean, fair. And so they're, you know, as they clean up, um, Malik and Aaron are discussing, like, Kayla's bad attitude. And Malik's like, I understand, like, this is about her mother. And once she starts school, like, she'll make friends. And it's like, yeah, everyone loves making friends as the new kid. Like, dream on, Malik. Yeah, um, in high school? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. And, you know, like, but they're having, like, a we're all going to work together and, like, we're we're going to make this work, our new life here in their gar- gorgeous new house. And Aaron starts his new job tomorrow. So he's basically like, I don't even have time to unpack with you. So Malik is sort of left to unpack the house. And he's also does a lot of freelance writing. They set up their gigantic 1995 desktop computer. Talk about a horror. <laughs> Freelancing. I, I mean, especially in 1995, I'm like, what is their internet like out there? Oh, like, God. in our house, like, we were in a rural area. Like, we didn't really, we had dial-up. So, like, we didn't really have, like, yeah. actual internet Everybody until had I was in high school. Yeah, but I just feel like it was so slow. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, to think, like, oh, you're going to work remotely. 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Canada is different. I hope it is. Maybe Canada's different. So um, Malik's uh, in the morning is unpacking the house and he's having Kayla help him. And she's taking Polaroids of herself. She's like very into Polaroids. And which is, and she's like doing her makeup and taking pictures of herself instead of helping unpack the house, which is what you should do as a teen. That's the right yes, thing. Absolutely correct. Then and, and now. yeah. And they kind of distract themselves by um, looking through photo albums. And Malik shows Kayla like photos of him when he was first start dating her dad. And there's a photo of them in drag. And Kayla's like, oh, my dad in a dress. Like, oh, my God. And Lee tells her, like, Believe me, and choosing to live your life loud and proud is about the bravest thing you can do in this world. And Kayla's like, I, I get that. Like, she seems very open to that from Malik. Um, while he's unpacking, he finds a pair of shattered eyeglasses. And we realize that he, they belong to the boyfriend who was attacked during this hate Aww. crime. So he saved the glasses. And... Um, when he goes to take out the garbage, Malik finds an old, older white man named Mr. Reinhardt standing at the end of his driveway facing their house, staring at Malik. And so nope. Malik tries to say hi. Nope. Mm-mm. Mr. Reinhardt just turns away and walks back to his house. No. So Malik's like, all I'd, right, I'd here a, we go. Like, Don't even finish unpacking. We are out of here. Like, put everything back in the truck. We're leaving. And so then it's like, well, I'm sure Malik is like, is it because we're gay? Is it because I'm black? Is it both? Right. Is it because <laughs> we have a kid? Is it because they're new? You know, like, you don't know, like, yeah. is, is he just be, weird? You know? Like, any and all. Yeah. Um, so that night we hear Kayla's talking to her, her boyfriend, Derek, and it's like, oh, my God, we had to move. And, you know, her dad comes in to be like, oh, I'll... I'll help you set up your room. And she's like, I'm on the phone. Get out of my room. In a very fun way. Um, unfortunately, when Aaron steps out into the hallway, he hears Kayla tell, uh, Derek tell Kayla, like, you know, like, I, not to say anything bad about your dads, but like, if I were you, like, I wouldn't share a glass with them, you know, because you never know. So, ostensibly, out of the fear that one or both of them has HIV and that Kayla yeah. shouldn't share a glass with them because she'll contract it. And this is just me. I don't, again, I don't know how things were in Canada, but as someone who grew up in the 90s, I feel like we talked about HIV and AIDS constantly. Constantly. And we knew, at least as a child, like Kayla Mm -hmm. would know from her public school education, hopefully, and maybe she went to a private school, she doesn't know any of this, that you can't get HIV that way, that it is a sexually transmitted disease. And so I feel like I was like, that's the one thing where like, I don't know. I was like, would Derek think that? But I guess there were obviously going to be people who were still prejudiced into the 90s. Yeah, I think, like, you could say into the 90s there were still— Like, I remember there were having there were a lot of PSAs that were like, hey, like, you can hug, you know, people that are HIV positive, and that's not dangerous. It's okay to— ki- yeah. Like, there, that, that there was, like, here's all the, like, all the things you can do. Like, yeah. Every, which is everything short of, of course, the way that you actually contract AIDS or HIV. But, like, I think that, like, because those PSAs existed then, that meant that there was still, like, a lot of minds to change, unfortunately. Yeah, and and obviously we live in a totally different era when it comes to HIV-AIDS. So it's like, I'm just trying to, like, you know, even yeah. remember what we were taught. But in my mind, it was always, like, Sinbad dressed in a condom co- uh, costume telling us about safe sex. Um, yeah. But just to lay out that, like, there are people in the world who are still, like, that's their yes. approach to seeing a gay couple. It's like, oh, well, one or both yes. of them is HIV. They're going to give it to you by sharing a cup, even though that is, of course— right. Not real. Not how you get it. Malik sets up his giant desktop computer, and he we find out that he's ghostwriting a biography of this, like, conservative psychologist and has to listen to all this, like, demented, awful, like, stuff about, like, American values and, like, which obviously do, it is implied do not include an interracial gay marriage. You know, like, no, that— absolutely listen, not. Yeah. 
You'd think having a family would be a positive thing, not to these people. So nope. not only does he have to do this, like, thankless work while he's trying to get his own writing done, you know, like, uh, his career started, right. he has to listen to this horrible shit. But I, listen, I get it. I've, I've worked freelance, too. You got to take whatever work you can get, you know? Yeah. Um, I, fr- I ghost wrote for a cellulite treatment company. I didn't love it. Right, but <laughs> did you get free cellulite treatment? No, but they did pay us way too much money. That oh, yes, like I a, remember this. Man. Yeah. Get that money. Get that it money. Was, I was happy to sell out. You know, sometimes selling Absolutely. out is the goal. So um, in the middle of the night, Malik hears this thumping, banging sound, and he checks on Kayla. She's fine. And then slowly goes downstairs. Luckily, it is just a tree branch slamming against a window. Always. And in the morning, he goes outside first thing, and he trims the tree, and he cuts down the branch. And just then, Tiffany, their neighbor to the side, stops by with a plant, and Aaron answers the door. She's like, oh, sorry to come by so early. I just saw your gardener was working, so I assumed you were up. And Aaron's like, no, that's not my gardener. That's my husband. Don't you, like, be cool, right. you know? And he's like, no, this is my partner. This is Malik. And Tiffany says, wow, that's so exciting. Mm. We, don't, we don't have any of you in, our, in town. And Malik's like, oh, okay, well, may, do you, maybe they're in hiding. You know, you never know. And Tiffany's like, it's like she's clearly trying to be nice, but she's also, like, just bumbling through it, you know? Like, oh, cool, right. you, uh, gay people, you know? And she also might be saying, oh, uh, black people, because you don't right, see yeah, any other black people Right, yeah, I was going to say, what's she even referring to? <laughs> right, exactly. And, and that's another thing, a lot of, like, what Malise going through is, like, he doesn't know. So it's like, how do you interpret information? That, it's like, this could either right. be fine or this could be bad. And, and how do you uh, balance that? And she gives yeah. them a very weird flower and tells them, like, you know, when this blooms, it's stunning— but to me, it looks like a vertical version of the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Like, it oh, looks okay. like an artichoke or something. Like, it's yes. a very strange plant to give as a gift, but they're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. thank you, you know? Meanwhile, Kayla is looking for a part-time job um, until school starts. So she's biking around town. She's printed out resumes and it's like handing them out. And she sees this smoking hot hunk leaning on the hood of his red sports car, smoking a cig. And his name is Coolest Ty. thing there is. Yeah. Oh, and man. immediately she's like, okay. He's got floppy hair, like 90s hair, you yeah. know? Yeah, 90s she's hair. Done. Wow. She's done. And so uh, later Malik goes for a run. Of course, he sees like an older white lady just staring at him. There are no other uh, black people that we see in the town. Yeah, I So assumed. he's like, oh, hello. You know, it's like, is it just because I'm new? Like, he waves. Like, he's just trying right. to be nice. He gets home. The back door is unlocked, and he finds, I'm going to say, the F word spray-painted on the wall of their living room. So you see that in the trailer. Yeah. Yes. So someone has gotten in, knocked over a lamp, not really done anything else, but then written a slur on the wall. So I'm like, okay, did either Tiffany do this, or did somebody, did she tell someone, and they did this? And they did it. Right. And as you can imagine, this immediately makes Malik flashback to watching his teen boyfriend be beaten in the parking lot by three white guys. And they don't say this, but like, I was like, is this the boy, is that his boyfriend's family? Like, it's like, they, it seems so targeted that they would just pull this, the one boy out. Yeah. And be beating him. Yes. You know, like, I mean, not that like, oh, of course they would beat both of them up, but there is something where it's like, it seems so deliberate that I'm like, oh, is that like his yes, family? Right. I don't know. It, it was just incredibly sad either way, obviously. Yes. No. Awful. Malik immediately paints over the slur. And so when Eric gets home, he's like, oh, I didn't know you wanted to paint here. And Malik says, yeah, I figured to use a fresh coat. Allison, oh. he does not tell Aaron or Kayla about the, the hateful graffiti that has been written on the inside of their home. 
Oh, that's so hard because on the one hand, I do understand wanting to be like, this is, it feels terrible to experience and see that. And like, you don't want other people to have to right. feel that. But it is a harbinger of more danger to come, I think, and therefore yes. important for people that live in the house to know about. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just think in terms of like being in a marriage, you know, you got to tell people about this kind of thing. You shouldn't bottle it up. You have to tell if some if you know someone's been in the house who wasn't supposed to, and now you all live in the house. Like exactly. that's actually just good. That's, that's just good house etiquette. Um, and so, right, like, it's like somebody came in, maybe he left the door open, but they still came in, you know? And I also think that there is something to be said about, um, this to me is enough to leave. I'm like, uh, I understand you bought a home, but this to me is a nope. the biggest red flag you could possibly have. I'd move. But I guess we're supposed to think, like, Malik is both torn. Like, he's this trauma in his past has affected him in two ways. One is which he's in, like, mm-hmm. he wants to shut down and be a denial about this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. also then he sort of is like, am I being paranoid? Is this real? What is what right. is indication? It was an indication of, of uh, potential danger, which is very reasonable. That's But reasonable. unfortunately, he then, it's almost like it's he real. starts to undermine his own ability to judge what's dangerous. Because yes. this is already bad. So yeah. Keely gets a job as a hostess at Bill and Pete's Bar and Grill. And to celebrate that night, Erin takes a CD out of her 90s dance uh, CD jewel case and puts it in the CD player. They all she He forces her to dance with them in the, in the living room, which is very cute. Aww. And she's like, all right, my dads are lame, but whatever. Unfortunately, we see Mr. Reinhardt, the older man from across the street, standing in their yard, staring no. through the window at no. them in the evening. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And so Malik, not, not yeah. that. So Malik has to stay up late to work, and we see that he's writing the biography of one Dr. Darrelson, who is a psychologist, and it's sort of like his theories have been falling out of favor as the decades go by. And wow, it's almost this, like they're outdated and wrong. <laughs> man, when you hear about what science was doing in the seventies, you oh, know, man. like the gap, and I'm sure this is true about every part of science, or whatever. But like the difference between like yes. this. 70s and 90s, it's like, it might as well be the 40s and right 3,000 or something. Right. Like, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, this isn't a mental illness, someone's just gay, you know, or that kind of right. stuff. And unfortunately, yes. he is a psychologist of that field where, like, being gay is something to potentially, yes. this yes. is an issue to address. Right. Malik looks up and he has, like, a cork board with, like, all this, like, different stuff about this guy. And he realizes that a piece of paper that he had put in the middle of the cork board is missing. But we don't know what it is. But we, we see that there's a hole huh. in his his documents. So he's like, did somebody, is that why they were here, to steal something from me? So without talking to Aaron, he calls and has a security system. Uh, two technicians come and set up a security system. And Smart. he calls his former boyfriend, Liam. So the person that we saw getting beaten, he calls Liam. Survived. Yes. And okay. he says to him, I have a really bad feeling, just like when we were dating, do you remember when we were kids that summer we stayed up at your aunt's cottage and you thought it was a good idea to tell your friend Erica about this? And I told you I had a bad feeling. So maybe that's what we're saying is like he, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. Liam, told people and that led to his beating. So yes. I think he's trying to say like, I feel like that's where we're at now. Yes. And I'm afraid where this is going. Liam, of all people's like, you know, I really think the world is changing and things are getting better, which is true. But it also doesn't I mean, mean that somebody isn't, going to target you. Right. You know, unfortunately. there are still, like, hateful, awful people. 
Exactly. And also Liam is white. So it's like, to me, it's like, well, Liam can't really mm-hmm. speak to like these people, the racism in this town, he doesn't know. You know, but Liam's like, right. I really want to believe that things are different. So I would, you know, I, I, I don't freak out about this. And then Liam realizes, wait a minute, you didn't tell Aaron about the slur, did you? And Malik's like, no, I, I didn't know if I should. And then Aaron arrives home. And so Malik rushes off the phone. Okay. And Malik's like, everything's fine. a lot fine. of secrecy that I don't like. Exactly. So that night, they're invited to a bonfire at Tiffany's house. Um, and, you know, which really did make me miss growing up in a semi-rural area because there were just so many bonfires and it was like cold. Mm-hmm. You could be outside. And Tiffany introduces them to her husband, Marshall, who, again, is like very nice, but like kind of bumbling. It's like, I'm a stay-at-home husband too. I have a IT company and I am a one-man operation. He's talking. Meanwhile, Malik can see Mr. Reinhardt staring at him from across the fire. And so Malik's like kind of like trying to respond. And then he he looks back and uh, Mr. Reinhardt's gone. So it's like, what is this guy? He keeps staring at me. Like, just come and say, whatever you're going to say. Just say it to my face. Right. And stop standing in my yard. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But they have a nice enough time. They go home. Of course, in the middle of the night, Malik wakes up. There's a, he hears a sound. And he has a wherewithal to bring a bat downstairs. And okay, as he goes downstairs, yeah, he, the alarm goes off and he sees Mr. Reinhardt in a, a winter coat standing on his porch, ostensibly trying to get in. And then he runs off the porch. Standing on, the, standing on their porch. Yes. So okay. Trying Mal- to get into their house. So Malik's like, yes. So Malik's like, oh, shit. And so he chases down Mr. Reinhardt, which is pretty easy because Mr. Reinhardt is, is old. older. <laughs> and he chases him and he's about to hit him with a bat. And Mr. Reinhardt's like, no, no, sorry. I, I didn't mean to scare you. Um, I need to give you this. And he hands him a piece of paper, and he says, don't tell anybody. And he's like, um... He's like, I'm great at not telling people things. Yeah, don't worry about that. (laughs) And he's like, what? And before he can even um, say anything, the alarm system's going off, and um, all the other neighbors, like, we see Marshall come outside being like, what's going on? And then suddenly the old man is, uh, Reinhardt's like, "Um, uh, have you seen my keys? I just get, what time is it? I get so confused. He starts to pretend that he has dementia oh, and sort of okay. like wanders off back to his house. But in that moment when he was talking to Malik, he was very deliberate. And he says to him about the piece of paper, please take this and don't tell anyone. And Malik's like, what the fuck is that? So he goes inside and Aaron's upset that he had the security system installed without yes. telling him. Again, I think should have told him. And it's the yeah. 90s, so it's incredibly expensive. It was like thousands of dollars. And he's like, I am not paying for this. This is the middle of nowhere. No one's going to break in. He doesn't know about the slur. Malik, right. you got to tell him so he can back you up on this. But he, I think middle of nowhere is where you need a security system. I mean, like, I, I have a lot of complicated feelings about security systems because I do feel like when they sell them, they sort of prey on this, like— They prey on, yeah, fear. Fear and you know, but then if you experience a break in, I think it's fair if you want to get one for the peace of mind. It's just that Aaron yes. doesn't know they had a break in, right? And of course, Billy can't figure out how to shut the alarm off, so it's just going on and on. And Aaron's like, "Oh my god," you know, like freaking out. And Aaron storms up to bed and Malik goes back to his office to work. And Malik takes the paper out of his pocket. And Allison, what is on the paper? I mean, is it the missing one from his his research board? Allison, there's nothing on it. It's blank. Oh, God. So my question to you at this point is, what would you do? What would you do? We're moving. Like, we're moving. 100%. Like, there is not a world. I'd be like, it doesn't matter. We have no ties to this town. Let's just go to a different one. Yeah. Like, there's no point. Like, there is no point staying in this place. 
And I would tell my partner and child. Yes. Every, well, maybe not child, everything that's happened, but like tell my partner everything that's led up to this and be like, we got to go. Absolutely. I, I feel like what they're sort of going for in this is like the inherently isolating experience of being, having a different experience than most people around you. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like, he's even isolated from Aaron because of him being black. And so I feel like right. he's trying to like will, like he's going to, force them to have a positive experience and be able to live here. Even though there are all these red flags being thrown up, I think that it must be tied, they don't spell this out, but I think it must be tied to like having this trauma is that he then is like, no, I must be just freaking out. Yeah. You know, like this might be a problem that I'm going to take on personally rather than systemically something is very wrong, we should get out of here. Right, yeah. And I would imagine like not want, you know, the the comment about like, um, living out loud is the bravest thing you can do. Like, Mm -hmm. he's like, no, I, like, I ran before, like, I am staying now, kind of, like, they can't force me out of my, you know, which I understand that, but also stay alive. (laughs) Exactly. In the morning, Aaron goes for work, and Malik takes some sort of medication, which I assume is a psychiatric medication. Great. Uh, And because he is smarter than me, because my, I am a worm with a worm brain. Um, he Worms. starts to examine the paper, like, looking, like, is there invisible ink? And then he takes, like, a pencil and tries to, like, I don't know what you call that, like, shade it to try to see if there's, like, indentations sure. yeah, yeah, or embossed. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. And um, and so also, weird. like, now Aaron is, like, you know, he's, like, you need to get the alarm company to come get this. I'm not, I'm not paying for this. And, yeah. like, in Malik's defense, like, he, Aaron doesn't know about the slur, but an elderly man did try to break in. But I guess in Aaron's mind, it's, like, oh, a guy with dementia— Try it was right. on our porch. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's sad, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, Kayla has started hooking up with this hunk we saw earlier, Ty. And they're hanging out, like, in his, his room, smoking weed, playing Sega Genesis. And Pretty he's sweet. like, so you're the girl with, no, with two dads. And everybody, of course, in town knows about it. And she's like, yeah, you're going to, like, be weird about it? He's like, no, I think that's cool. You know, I don't know anyone with two dads. If you have two dads, where's your mom? And Kayla said... She's probably partying in Costa Rica with her new family and my inheritance. So I guess the mom bounced. So she doesn't even see her mother. Obviously, if she lives in Costa Rica. So they are now totally estranged from one another. Okay. Okay. And Aaron is, you know, parenting. Back at home that night, Malik is hard work. He's ghostwriting. And he stops to get a glass of water. And in Mr. Reinhardt's home, the elderly man, in his living room, he sees a group of people sort of joined hands and swaying oh, back yes. and forth this is in, in a trailer. circle. The overhead light on, no curtains. Yeah. Like, clearly Arms you want up. me to look in here. Yeah. And he sees Marshall, Tiffany's husband, mm-hmm. and a young man. Well, we don't know who he is yet. Mm-hmm. And Malik's like, I'm going to take a photo of this. Malik goes to take a, a Polaroid. And the flash alerts them and Marshall turns and notices. And then they shut the curtains. So Malik yes. gets the photo of this weird, you know, sort of um, mm-hmm. ritual, but he does not know it's important. Uh, uh, however, unfortunately, the next day, Mr. Reinhardt's body is carried out of his house and put into an ambulance. Oh, no. So pretty much almost as soon as he gives this piece of paper to, to Malik, Mr. Reinhardt is dead. And uh, we see that the younger man we saw is Mr. Reinhardt's grandson, who was like in his 20s, Matthew. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is sobbing. He's really distraught. And I guess he lived there with his grandfather. And Tiffany and um, Marshall come over to talk to Aaron and Malik because, like, everyone in, in, on the streets, like, oh, you know, did you see this happen? You know? 
And I guess that the grandson had called them over and that saying his grandfather died the night before. And some of the neighbors had gone over to pay their final respects and it turned into a bit of a celebration. Okay. And Marshall is saying this to Malik, like, I know what you saw was weird, but that's our thing. Like we just that was just a weird thing that we do, but it was it wasn't anything malevolent. It's just a weird thing. Malik, of course, is like, I don't believe this. It's like, no. <laughs> so for reasons I cannot understand, Malik still doesn't tell Aaron. But he is freaking out enough about the piece of paper and the fact that this guy's now dead that yes. he goes into Mr. Reinhardt's house when the oh, grandson God. goes with the body in the ambulance. So he's looking for, like, why would he give me this paper? What was he trying to tell me? And he's kind of snooping around, and he sees a photo of Mr. Reinhardt and what looks like his wife, and then two younger women. And you don't know, it's like, was that hit two daughters? Was it, you right. know, grand, we don't know. And, and where are these yeah. women? You know, if right. these are, if these right. women are part of uh, If they're part, part of his family. life, like, were they yeah. not at the ceremony? Or whatever. So just then, of course, the grandson, Matthew, comes home and Malik drops the photo and he's able to get out of the house before the grandson sees him. But the grandson finds the broken photo and he looks out and he sort of glares at Malik in Aaron's house. So he knows, he knows that Malik that was in was, there. Okay, not great. Unfortunately. Again, this is when it'd be great to have told anyone anything about any of this. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Now Malik, like, it looks bad for you. The, the movie that I would compare this to is um, Rosemary's Baby. The whole time, you're okay. like, Malik, yes. Malik, what are you doing? But there is something in his character that he cannot reach out to people. And yes. I guess the reason I found this like to be satisfying is like, I bought it. I think it's like he's spiraling with, I, oh my God, that's probably the meaning of the, <gasps> the title. Spiral? Spiral? He starts to spiral because... He feels like he can't tell anyone. He has to resolve this himself. In a way that in Rosemary's Baby, you're like, why don't you call your friends to come over? Or like, be like, yeah. fuck you, I'm leaving. It's because they, there is something within her character where she's like, no, I can't believe anything bad about my husband. I cannot believe anything bad would happen. Mm. And unfortunately, that is going to lead to a lot more problems as it also does for Malik. Absolutely. Now, yes, you'd like to think you'd tell your partner, but hey, you never know. Hope to never find out what it being in this situation. Um, meanwhile, Ty picks up Kayla and they like ditch her job or whatever, and they have a fun teen date of leaning on a car, smoking near a bridge. And um, Kayla's like, um, I I I'm like dating this guy. Like, I think we're still boyfriend girlfriend, but like, I don't know. And Ty's like, Well, you should probably figure that out. Like, if we're gonna hang out, and just yeah. then they see someone standing on the far end of the bridge. And it is someone without a coat, it's freezing, and who has like a, a black hood or mask over his head. And they both notice, and they're like, do you see that? And then the man starts walking oh God, towards so them. No, that's they, so scary. And luckily they have Ty's car, so they bail and they drive away. But they, it's just like this moment of like, who's that? They don't tell anyone. Like, she doesn't tell her dads about this. People you know? need to start talking. Like, this is, I mean, and this movie could only exist um, in 1995 and not in 2021 because all of these things would have been heavily documented on social media. Taking a photo, put it on Twitter, put it, put on, it on Instagram. Instagram. I mean, 100%. if anything, I'm leaving a paper trail for when something eventually happens to me. Yeah, if you see a guy like that at a bridge, you're going to take a photo and you're, you're going to tell people. You're going to take a picture and be like, what Absolutely. the fuck? And then it shows up on, like, whatever the you know, Alberta version of, like, what is Alberta? Like, that? what is yeah. New York? And it's just, like, freaks around town who are, like, being weirdos, and <laughs> right. people would know what's going on. It would probably draw tourists, honestly. Probably get those yeah. tourism numbers up. 
So that night, um, Aaron and Malik are going over to Tiffany and Marshall's house for like a little wine and cheese get together. And Malik doesn't want to go. It's like, these people creep me out. Like, I just feel like some really, like, I feel bad. I don't want to hang out with them. And here it's like, oh my God, you always do this. I want to hang out with normal people. And you are just like already hating on them. And Malik's like, so what do you mean by normal? Do you mean straight, you know? And he says, mm-hmm. what's an Uncle Tom but for gay people? Aaron doesn't like that. And because, you know, Malik's like, okay, I stepped over a line. He will go over to Tiffany and Marshall's house. And um, Tiffany and Marshall, you know, they're doing their best. It is the mid-90s. And Tiffany's like, you know, love is all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're a single parent or or a married couple or whatever you guys are. You know, love is the most important thing. And it's like, all right. So close, you know. And Malik's like, well, I think that's a nice thought, but most people don't think of it that way. And Marshall's like, well, then they're assholes, you know. And um, during this conversation, Aaron reveals that his ex-wife kind of wilded out during their divorce and was basically trying to argue that being gay meant he should not be able to have custody of his daughter. And he said that his relationship was, um, with Malik was high risk and illegitimate. And mm-hmm. and they're like, you know what, what, what high risk means, you know. And Marshall's like, I think that's disgusting. You know, I think it's a shame that people's perceptions can sort of warp their understanding. Meanwhile, he's staring at Malik like, you know that weird ritual you saw? That's what I'm talking about, too. I'm talking about yeah. your beautiful gay yes. marriage and also our weird night funeral dancing or whatever. Yes. And Malik's like, uh-huh. Like, these are, things are not the same. Just then, Kayla's new boyfriend, Ty, comes home, and we realize that Ty is Tiffany and Marshall's son. Okay. He does not say, oh, I was out with your daughter, Kayla, and he does not tell them about the guy in the mask either. He's just like, I'm going <sighs> to post up. Um, on his way to the bathroom, uh, Malik finds a study and he sort of sees this, like all these creepy old photos. Marshall was like doing all this like lineage investigation. Um, and he sure. finds a photo dating from 1792 that's like, and Marshall's like, oh, that's my great, great, great grandfather, whatever. It looks exactly like Ty. Like it basically is a photo of Ty. Whoa. And Malik also sees a bound, a leather bound book. Wait, but it's not these, a photo. 1792. Sorry, a, uh, a painting. So it's like a, okay. a portrait of, of a portrait this that looks just ancestor. like it looks just like time. Um, you're right. When did oh, I, uh, right? I was about to be like, when was photograph? Was yeah, I don't know. When was photograph? We don't we don't know. Not <laughs> we don't know. know. We don't know. <laughs> and so he also sees a, a bound book with a spiral on the on the spine, mm-hmm. and and B doesn't get a chance to look at it before Marshall kind of guides him back to the living room that night. Malik is still up doing research, and we hear this doctor dumbass on the recording talking about, oh, you know, all these confused young men and women, they're suffering, and I, I'm helping them. So it's like, not only is Malik dealing with this shit in his real life, he has to then go and listen for hours of this deranged yeah. person talking. That's very, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So clearly this, their move and this project is bringing up a lot for them. And yes. in the morning, Kayla is working out in the living room, and getting ready to go to work, and she sees Ty out the back window, and he's on a walk with another girl. And they almost kiss, and he gives him her his jacket. And so Kayla's like, this dumb bitch. I well, it's like, girl, you got a boyfriend, so. Yeah, that's true. So uh, Malik's also working from home, and he hears a knock on the front door, and he opens it, and it's the grandson of Mr. Reinhardt, Matthew. And he's like, can I talk okay. to you about my grandfather? Malik invites him in, and... Matthew's like, I'm sorry, my grandfather was acting really strange. Um, you know, he had dementia, and, and I just want to let you know, I know that he went into your backyard, and I'm sorry if he scared you. 
And Luke's like, hey, you know, it's okay, you know. And then Matthew says, so um, did he give you anything? And Luke's like, nope. Why would you ask that? And then suddenly Matthew's crying and he's like, oh my gosh, like they're saying that my grandfather committed suicide. He took all his medications at once and he's sobbing. And so Malik sort of like, you know, pats him to like comfort him. And all of a sudden, Matthew's like running his hands up Malik's back and like putting his like mouth into his neck and sort of makes a move on him. Just then, of course, Aaron walks in. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we had company. I'm coming home for lunch. Yeah. And so... Um, Malik's like, it's not a big deal. And as they're getting ready for bed, Malik finds like a huge bruise on his chest, but he has no memory of how it got there. And he's like, did this happen when he, when Matthew touched me? Like, I don't know why, like, why would I have this bruise? Right. Yeah. And so, but Aaron's like, okay, so it seems like you're into this guy. Like, I mean, it's been a while since we had a third, but is this something that you're interested in? And Malik's like, man, I'm in the middle of a horror movie. Like, I am not interested in yeah. him. Like, I don't I'm know what that was. I'm not interested in anything sexual. <laughs> right, yeah, like, you know. And But Aaron's like, he doesn't know about all this stuff. So Aaron's just like, oh, I saw you, like, almost making out with a guy. So maybe that's what is on the table. Right. You know? Um, but Malik's like, no, I just want you. And just when they're about to get busy, they hear Kayla screaming bloody murder in the house. <gasps> and they run over to her room, and her face is drenched in blood. But they can't figure out where it's from. Like, it's just, like, covered in blood. She's screaming. They flip on the light, and they realize that there is um, blood coming through the ceiling. Like, it is soaked completely through the ceiling. So Malik, the greatest stepdad of all time, goes up to the attic to check (gasps) No, I'd be like, I don't even want to know. We're going to call somebody Uh, else to find out. Yeah, my only business is who can pick us up and get us the fuck out of here. Yes. He goes up there, and instead what he finds is a pile of murdered raccoons, freshly dead, who are because they're clearly bleeding enough to bleed right. through the ceiling. To be ble- to be currently bleeding, yeah. It's not just like it's one, you know? And so I'm, if I'm seeing that— A pile of raccoons. That, if I'm seeing that, mm. I am booking a motel two towns over, I'm calling the cops, I'm getting everyone out of the house, and we're just driving. Because, we're like, staying the here. best case scenario is they all were— Killed and they somehow all crawled there, like that, or like I mean, right? I'm at least calling like, an exterminator. Yeah, like it's like it's like all right, something weird and terrible is going on here. And also, like once that's been in the house, like you never get that out of the house. Exactly. How do you get raccoon blood out of the ceiling? You know, like who could know? It's just there. So you know, Malik throws them away in the garbage, and then he says to Aaron, "Do you think someone put them there?" And Aaron signs his death certificate by saying, "What?" What are you talking about, Aaron? Mm. You dumb sack of trash. Aaron. There are multiple murdered raccoons. These were not like, and Aaron even says like, well, maybe they ate poison uh, and they exploded. Like, what are you talking right. about? In one place? All at the same time? Right. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, I'd be like, we have to take her to the hospital. What if those raccoons had rabies? Like, Kayla got the blood right. in her eyes and her mouth, you know? Yes. Oh, God. Um, unfortunately, Malik still has to work on this goddamn horrible book or whatever. And so we finally hear a video of this terrible doctor explaining how he founded the Ernie Darrelson Clinic, named after his father, dedicated to offering a path back to righteousness. And Malik Googles it, and we find out about gay conversion therapy, mm-hmm. which we kind of already knew that's what they were going for, but it rattles us nonetheless, knowing that this yes. was still is still something that people claim is legitimate. Yes as opposed to being just a horrible uh, ordeal to put people through. Yes. Um, 
So at, at, at dinner the next day, Kayla says she cannot find her Polaroid cartridges, like her her blanks. Mm-hmm. But Malik is just in this absolute fog. He can't even really respond to Aaron or, or Kayla. And he keeps having dreams about the old man and the slip of the paper. And, and, and unfortunately, he dreams so heavily he doesn't wake up. Because if he had wake up, he would see there's a crowd of hooded cultists standing on the lawn staring at the house. Just a crowd of them. Mm, at night? At night. Oh, you got to do it. Oh, you got to do it. If you're going to be a cult, you got to be staring. If we learn anything from Hereditary, you got to be in the woods staring at a house at night. You got to do night staring. In the shower the next day, Malik and Aaron are showering together. And Malik tells Aaron he can't finish the book because his, um, not because it's a psychologist who puts people through conversion therapy. It's horrible and it's like triggering all this stuff for him. But because his hard drive died and he lost everything. So I think I took that to mean that his hard drive is fine. But, and he just was like, I'm not fucking writing this awful yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. But but yeah, because like, I, which I get, like, listen, as a freelancer, if I, if I were to tell Dave, like, I just can't do this book, I can't get all this money, I, I, I think he'd understand. But there would be something where it's like, well, it would be nice if you had an income this month. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, oh, mm-hmm. my computer's broken. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. Yes. Which I completely get that. Um, suddenly Kayla knocks on the door and Malik comes too. And he realizes that Aaron's not there. He's in the shower alone. And he's been in the shower for almost an hour. That's long. So he's, like, losing time, you know. And we saw him take psychiatric medication, but as far as we know, he is continuing to take it. So now I think he's starting to be like, wait a minute, is this real? Or am I having some sort of, like, trauma-related break break from reality? Um, But luckily, the shower has given him an idea. And the idea is water. So he runs over to the slip of paper Mr. Reinhardt gave him, and he puts water on it. And what Allison, what does he find on the paper? I mean, I gotta believe it's a spiral. It's a series of numbers to the no, library, to the public library. So he runs over to do some good old-fashioned oh, horror research. God. And because, again, Malik is, I would have been like, I don't know, what to, boo, boo. I, you know, I wouldn't be able to come up with anything. He uses the numbers no. as dates. And he's able to figure out that every 10 years in this town, there is a double murder. And the most recent one was in 85, and he's able to find this issue of a local newspaper, and it's a murder-suicide. And in the accompanying photo, we see the, it's a lesbian couple. They are the two women that we saw in Reinhardt's photo. Ooh. So it turns out one of them Not is his great. daughter, and they died in what the police said was a murder-suicide. Of course, Malik's okay. like, this was not a murder-suicide at all. Definitely not a murder-suicide. Back home, Malik, Malik tells Aaron... Finally, he starts to spill the beans. He still doesn't tell him about the graffiti, which is a very dubious decision. But he's like, look, these are dates. Every 10 years, a couple is murdered. And the last couple was this lesbian couple. And, you know, why wouldn't Tiffany and Marshall mention that to us? Like, a murder happened of a gay couple. Like, why would you not say something to us? And Mm -hmm. Aaron says, They told me all of this. Marshall and Tiffany are good people, Al. And you know what? I happen to like this town. Oh, Jesus Christ, Aaron. You need to stop thinking that, that everyone's trying to get you all the time. What happened to you was tragic, I know. But okay, so maybe maybe Aaron was like, I didn't want to tell Malik about it because That's I know Malik had been through trauma. this horrible trauma mm-hmm. and it's, it, it, it's unrelated. It was a murder-suicide. It, it's not right. something that he needed to know. And if he did, he would maybe start to spiral in the way that he's spiraling could- now. I could see that. 
you know, and I would say, like, what were, supposed to, what were Tiffany and Marshall supposed to bring it up? Like, why did she say, like, oh, a gay couple. We do a gay couple that absolutely murdered each other, like, 10 years ago. You know, like, it wouldn't have been the <laughs> Anyway, time. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not great. You guys, we guys like a Shiraz? Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Aaron, in the grand uh, tradition of horror movie spouses, does not believe Malik. And he's like, I like this town. You think everyone's out to get you all the time. And finally, he says, he's like, I know what happened to you, that hate crime, and and you and your teen boyfriend. I know that was horrible, and it really affected you. And I, Mm -hmm. he basically attributes all of it to, like, the trauma in Malik's past. But as we know from horror movies, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that no one is out to get you. You know? So I think it's both. Right. Both Both things can be be true. Yeah. And Eric says, I, I promise that will never happen. Nothing like that will happen to you ever again. And Blake says, you cannot make this kind of promise. And boy, Mm-mm. can't he. Nope. Um, no, you cannot. So in the garage, Malik calls Liam. And even Liam is like, you need to calm down. You sound, you're talking really fast. Like, I'm concerned that, like, this is maybe, you know, you're manic or you're having some sort of mental health crisis, you know, but I'm like, okay, but he found the numbers. But then I'm like, I guess maybe they could be like, oh, did you write this down yourself? You know, like. Right, right. Oh, a man gave me an invisible ink piece of paper. Yeah, it starts to sound a little bit, you know. It does start to sound, a, and like knowing that he's on uh, like psychiatric drugs is always the kind of thing that will make people doubt like what your story is because suddenly that makes you like unreliable even though it shouldn't. Um, right, exactly. But um, that does happen. Emily, Liam says, do you think the reason you keep calling me is, like, you're looking for permission to, like, move on from what happened to us? Like, is this, this seems like it is connected. Emily's like, it's completely unconnected. This is a completely different situation, and we are in grave danger, you know? And Liam's like, okay, well, it, I'm, you should sleep, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, and he hangs up. Just then, Malik sees something on the ceiling, and when he lowers the garage door, what did he see, Allison? A giant spiral drawn nope. on the garage mm-hmm. ceiling. Mm-mm. The next day, Malik goes running, which I'm get I, again. I would not do. I would have already packed up and been like, "I'm leaving. I'm taking Kayla and I'm leaving. Like you can right. do whatever you want to do." Yes. The couple was not killed in their house. It was a separate house that he has seen mm-hmm. on his runs, okay. and so he decides I'm going to visit this house, which is abandoned, and oh, try God, to see if guy. I can find any clues about what happened to this couple. And you don't what I should the, do. The clues, you have all the clues. <laughs> you have plenty. I showed There's... you the clues, officer. I gave you all the clues. So he goes down there, goes into this house, and he finds like a crawl space that's full of VHS tapes. But before he can get them, he hears someone downstairs. Allison, he goes downstairs and he sees a full on bloody ghost of what? Either, I, I don't know if it was Hannah or Sarah, one of the lesbian couple is one of the standing women. there dead and hands him the VHS tapes that he didn't pick up. And then when he comes to, he's oh just standing God. there holding the VHS tapes. So ostensibly, he's having hallucinations. Either, he, either it's a real ghost or he's having hallucinations. He's having hallucinations. And so he takes the VHS tapes. Because listen, if a ghost hands you some tapes, well, then it's hard because then of the ring. You know, you just don't right. trust I know. a ghost. It's like... So this exists, we're in a timeline before The Ring was a movie, so he doesn't know that. <laughs> exactly. There's no way for him to know. And he won't know for five more years. And so right. um, by the time he comes home, it's it's dawn, and he rushes in, and he finds that the hard drive has been pulled out of his desktop computer. And he's like, Aaron, what, what happened? Did you do this? Like, who took this? And he finds Aaron's outside, and he's sort of, like, moping. And he's like, Aaron, what the fuck? Who took my computer? And Aaron says, I found the photos of you. And, and Matthew, 
if you had wanted to have sex with them, like, just tell me. Like, you didn't have to cheat on me. Emily's like, I never hooked up with Matthew. And we see the photos, and I'm sorry, like, they're, like, BDSM photos. Uh In my mind, you could tell that Malik is unconscious. And then we realize, oh, that's why he has bruises on him. Right. They're from this non-consensual BDSM session that Matthew got him into. We don't know when, because, like, we know that— Yeah, I was going to say, when did this happen? I guess we're to think, like, Malik start, has, starts to realize he's losing time, so maybe he's been losing time this whole okay. time. Okay. But we don't know. Okay. We never see a situation where, like, he wakes up somewhere. Like, we don't know. Yeah. But something okay. has happened. And so he's trying to tell Aaron, like, that uh, that's not me. I don't I don't remember. I would be like, I seem to be unconscious. This guy yes. raped me, essentially. Right. Do like, you see me moving or, or, like, even able to move in these photos? And And Aaron says, like, I don't want to see you here when I get back from work. And Malik says, I do not have anywhere to go. Like, you're just going to kick me out. Where where am I going to go? And Aaron says, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, get the fuck out of there. Don't stop driving. Unfortunately, Malik is a good person and he loves Aaron and Kayla. Obviously, he doesn't want Kayla to be hurt either. So he's like, oh, God damn it. And he goes inside and he gets all his research and he puts it on um, that's a CD and he hides it in the 90s um, hits jewel case where no one will ever find it <laughs> i know and so it's the f- the phone rings and it's the police and apparently kayla got into a fight with this girl jessica she's the one that we saw ty taking the walk with and okay. kayla's like jessica's a bitch like blah blah, blah. and Malik's like i do not have the time or the bandwidth no. to deal with no. this we were in nope. the middle of a horror movie i have to figure this out and fucking get, like make sure we don't all get killed um and he tells you know and, and Kayla says, well, the reason that it wasn't about her dating Ty, it's that Jessica told Ty that Kayla was going to give him AIDS because she has two dads. And in a very sad moment, Malik's like, it's Love not it. safe for you to stand out. It, it is not, do not speak out, do Aww. not speak up. It is not safe. I was wrong to tell you that. And this, do not hang out with this Tyler kid. I am, you, I had better not find out you're hanging out. Something is wrong with that family. And Kayla's like, oh my God, okay, sure. Correct. Like, I don't even like them that much anyways. Cut to Kayla and Tyler making out in a room that very night. And <sighs> she tells him, I mean, I've teenage never... girls. I know. And she doesn't know. Again, she doesn't know about the slur. Yeah. She doesn't know all this stuff. She doesn't have all the she information. She doesn't know all this other stuff is going on. Though she did see that freaky guy in a hood. And I would be like, you know what? There's a lot going on. Maybe time to listen to my I dads. completely agree. And he, she tells Tyler, uh, you know, like, I've never had sex before. And he says, we should wait and make it special. And Kayla's kind of like, all right, I guess. I was just, I, I'm ready now, but sure, you know. Right. Um, so at this point, Aaron has kicked Malik out of the house. He's literally having a private meltdown in his car. He's listening to, like, talk radio, and it's Rush Limbaugh or some other horse's ass talking about, like, the Clintons yeah. and radical feminism oh, and God. homosexual rights and, like, all this stuff, all this 90s horse shit, you know, venomous bullshit. Yeah. And Aaron looks out the window, and Malik's still parked in the driveway like he hasn't left yet, and they lock eyes, and Aaron just closes the curtains. <gasps> Hope you like dying, Aaron, you absolute idiot. That is the dumbest choice. And obviously, Malik keeps he keeps experiencing like suddenly he'll he's back, he's in the car, and then suddenly he's in the car watching his boyfriend be beaten. You know, like he mm-hmm. keeps being uh, back coming back to his trauma, and he's literally sleeping in his car, and it's so cold that he does the thing he's like not dying to do, which is he goes over to Tiffany and Marshall's house and he's like, Can I stay here for a little bit? And he has a drink with they don't know anyone else. So he tells sure. Marshall about his and Aaron's fight. And he's like, I didn't hook up with Matthew. I don't know how, what happened, you know, whatever. 
And yeah. Marshall's like, oh, yeah, like, actually, um, Aaron brought over your hard drive. Your hard drive wasn't stolen. He gave it to me. And I just want you to know, I saw that folder you have. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, you should get some help. Because I saw what was on that folder, and I I just don't think you want that kind of thing getting out. Don't worry. I won't tell anyone. So I don't know whether he was referring to, like, BDSM or if we're saying, like, there's, like, child abuse or something. On, yeah. Like, so whatever the worst thing. But the implication sure. is, I found a folder on your computer. Did I put it there? Of course I did. Of but course. you won't be able to prove that. So I just think you should know that I now have this leverage over you. And Malik's mm. like, Great, good, all right, excited about Terrific. that. Things couldn't have been worse, but now I see that they have gotten worse. And um, and also now that um, Marshall has his hard drive, he's seen all the research that Malik has done. He knows that Malik is on to whatever's going on in this town. Yes. So yes. Marshall now has information, you know, that maybe there's plausible deniability, but Malik's a smart person, and unfortunately right. he has been recording all of this of um, onto his computer. And, uh, you know, Marshall kind of corners Malik and he says, and it's an exciting time, you know, so much is changing and yet so much stays the same. And Malik's like, okay, bye, I got to go. And finally he bye goes bye. to stay at a seedy motel. Yes, and, that is a way safer place to be than any absolutely. of these maniacs' homes. And so he, we see that he has stolen the spiral uh, book from Marshall's bookshelf. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I saw the spiral, I see it on a book, I'm taking it. And he's got that right. and he dumps smart. it out. That was smart. He dumps along with his medication and all the VHS tapes. And luckily, this motel has a VCR player. He unfortunately also has a gun that mm. apparently he had the whole time, but he, he took with him. And he tries to call Liam, but the number is disconnected. And he keeps calling them. And he's sort of like, it seems like things are devolving in his hotel room. And at a certain point, Malik sees through the curtain um, of the hotel what looks like a giant horned figure standing right outside his room that mm. starts talking to him in this, like, gravelly, low voice. Yeah. And he lifts his gun, and he's about to shoot through the window, when suddenly he comes to, and it's just the shadow of a lady walking to her room. So he almost just shot this woman. This woman. This random woman. He also turns around suddenly and sees the bloody glo- ghost of the, one of the lesbian moms in the bathroom just screaming. And then she disappears. Oh, great. So he starts watching all of the VHS types, and he realized what he has done, documenting all this stuff, is what Hannah and Sarah, or potentially just one of them, the lesbian couple, they were also doing. They also had a slur spray-painted on the side of their house. They also had people being in their yard and trying to break in. So they're recording So it's all lining up. Exactly. And he realized, oh, every 10 years, they just, you know, whether— and we'll get into whether it's just because they're gay. A family is chosen— and then some people are chosen for this purpose. There's some sort of ritual. All these things happen in the exact same order. And we are now this couple. And he's reading the spiral bound book. It is, of course, like a satanic worshiping cult. Yes. Of course. They have made a deal what with else the devil. Could it be? Exactly. It's all part of it. That like weird plant when it blooms, that's when it's gonna happen. And it's all has to do with like living forever and making sacrifices to God. And there's like a big horned creature. And Malik realizes that um, he goes to take his, his medication and somebody has switched it. So sensibly, either he has just hasn't been taking his medication or someone has been giving him something to hallucinate and lose time. So they've okay. been manipulating well, him down to that point. Yes. So this is he's been manipulated completely, but now he also has this information. 
And he calls Aaron, and Aaron, the dumbest man, the dumbest husband in a, a horror movie, says Peter Sarsgaard's character in Orphan says, you're talking crazy. Bitch, it doesn't matter. Get out of the house. Matter. Like, you could be mad worst at him. case scenario, you go stay in a hotel for two nights and it was nothing. And you exactly. rack up some Marriott points and you keep it moving. Like, yes. don't, there's no reason to like deny that things are, like, especially when it feels like somebody's at the end of their rope, which Malik is. Exactly. It's like, worst case, like, even if this isn't true, if there isn't a cult, you know, like, your husband is having some sort of complete right. uh, disassociation from reality. You need to get in there and get him help. You know, and that's yes. like, it's hard to do in, I don't know, again, we don't know what Canada's like, but it's hard to do in America. It's like, we don't want to call the cops and right. like, go pick him up, take him to a hospital, get yes. him treatment. And then also it means you will be out of the house. So a win-win yes. for everybody, you know? Yes, truly, the best plan. And so finally in the, in the pages of the Spiral Round book, Malik finds the photo of him and Aaron in drag from the photo album and their eyes have been crossed out. Mm. And unfortunately, Aaron tells him on the phone, you need help. I, I, you know, don't call here anymore. And oh. he keeps trying to call Liam and the number's been disconnected. However, in the tapes, we realize it's not simply that they're a gay couple. It's that they are a gay couple with a teenage daughter who is ostensibly a virgin. Okay. And he's watching the tapes and he sees that their teenage daughter is dating Ty, and Ty does not look a the day age. younger. He's the exact same age. Allison, I ask you now, who will survive to the end of the film? Who will survive? Oh, well, I think Aaron is a goner. I think Malik will live. Mm-hmm. I hope that the daughter, whose name I'm now blanking on. Kayla. Kayla lives. Um, and that the family, Tina, not Maria Bello and her husband and the and Ty die. Great, good, great guesses all along. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to sixty percent on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. So uh, Malik hits the road. He's driving back furiously. You know, he's try- he, he tried to call. Aaron wasn't having it. And as he's driving, he sees a naked man with a black hood over his head just standing right. on the side of the road. Perfect. He's screaming, terrified. And he's also, like, hallucinating. Like, he's having a lot of, like, okay, mm-hmm. what is real, what is not real? And he bursts into the house. And they're having a party. All the neighbors are there. Of and course they are. Tiffany's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you could see- you're here. For the Hughes is all for Kayla. This is her day. And he's like, what's all for Kayla? Where's Aaron? Oh, no. And he runs over to Aaron. And Aaron's like, where have you been? And Lee's like, you kicked me out. And 
Aaron's like, yeah, that was a week ago. Like, I thought you would, I thought we were just fighting. Like, I thought you were going to come back. Uh-huh. So Malik's like, oh, that was a week ago because in my mind it was last night. Right. So I don't, you know, so he's lost a full week. And so oh, he starts screaming. He's like, these people, you know, like, you know, he's losing his mind in front of all of the neighbors, which makes sense, you know, uh, mm-hmm. his. You know, we saw his motel room sort of devolving, so we know that there had been more time. Yes. Marshall walks in, and Malik pulls out his gun and points it at Marshall, and he said, I'm here to protect Kayla. And Marshall says, from who? And Malik says, from you. And he shoots Marshall in the chest. Whoa. And everyone rushes in, and Tiffany drops her cake, and and Malik looks down at the cake, and it was a Sweet 16 cake with a very cute little caricature of um, Malik and Aaron and Kayla. So there is a moment where Malik's like, did I kill this guy for no reason? Did I make all this stuff up? And everyone's, of course, freaking out, running all the neighbors are running out of the house. He has spiraled out of control. The next thing Mm -hmm. we see is Malik being put into a jail cell, and he's trying to piece together what's happening, and Aaron tells him, like, okay, we're going to sell the house, and we're moving away, and our relationship is over. And Malik is like, thank God, because even if I have to go to jail for the rest of life, at least you two will survive, and I will have achieved my mission— Move and he's like of protecting you, yeah. And Aaron's like, What are you not getting? Like, you and it's like, Well, okay, if this is a real version of this, Malik mm-hmm. has lost touch with reality, so you can't right. talk, to, like, be like, Why are you acting like this? Something right. is wrong. you can't like ask reasonable questions, like, it's that's we've passed that point, yes. And is there something where it's like, Okay, great, a black, a gay black man had to sacrifice his freedom because his dumb white husband wouldn't listen to two seconds? That sucks, <laughs> yeah, that sucks, but. At least he knows his family will survive. Or will he, Allison? Mm. You know, and Malik says, you need to get out of town as soon as possible. Like, I'm begging you to leave tonight, you know? And Aaron's like, we're leaving, but it's not the town we're leaving. You know, it's you. And it's like, okay, fine, I don't care. Just take Kayla and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And Malik says, the only person who knows all the details is Liam. So you call him and he'll tell you. And Aaron's like, who's Liam? And he goes, my first boyfriend. (gasps) And he's, and it it isn't said until later, but this is the moment when you realize Liam died. Yeah. Liam was murdered. Yeah. So all these times he was calling Liam. He hasn't even really been telling anyone anything. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. sort of like even, maybe the reason he couldn't tell Aaron this is like he he couldn't acknowledge to himself. He was already in such deep denial about this horrible thing that happened. That, that it was, in he just couldn't be honest or he couldn't, not be honest, but like he couldn't open up because mm-hmm. it would also unravel all of this stuff that's connected to this, this early trauma. Right. Malik does not realize this, but, but in talking, Aaron realizes that, that, that he does not, that he does, that he is murdered. So back at home, Aaron says goodnight to Kayla and he reassures her like, I'm sorry this happened. We're going to make this through. You know, whatever. Unfortunately, they don't notice that the weird flower has bloomed on their dining room table. Mm, uh-oh. And so Aaron goes to Malik's computer. And I think he's just sort of, like, looking for, like, clues about his, uh, his mental state. Yeah, yeah. like, what, what happened? And he finds a VHS tape. And it says, Sammy's dance recital. And he puts it in. And he sees the lesbian couple in 1985. And they're with Ty, who, again, does not look a day right. older, as well as Marshall and Tiffany, who look exactly the same. And Marshall and Tiffany on the video are like, oh my God, somebody broke in. That's so terrible. They're doing the exact same routine. Right. And finally, Aaron is like, oh shit. Unfortunately, at this point, which you also see in the trailer, literally he's on the computer and behind him in the porch lights, you see dozens of cult members from this town lined up for the festivities. 
Mm-hmm. He runs upstairs to try to get to Kayla, but by the time he gets up there, the cult has gotten into the house. Oh, he bursts open the door, and Ty has already ripped open Kayla's chest cavity and is <gasps> eating her heart and is e- consuming her body. Aaron screams, and Tiffany walks in behind him and says, isn't it beautiful? So that's all going on. Back at the jail, somebody shows up to talk to Malika. Malik. Unfortunately, it's Marshall, who he did not kill. And Well, Malik, I mean, these people feel, you know, obviously immortal. So. Exactly. And so Malik says, what are you? And Marshall says, well, I'm somebody who's been around for a really long time. And uh, essentially, he's just like, I just want you guys to know it wasn't because you're gay. It's just that we could leverage society's oh. fears about you and get away with your murder. You see what I'm saying? So when we killed that family, it wasn't because they're lesbians. It's just that people don't care about lesbians, so it was easier for us to get away with their murders. Do you see what I'm saying? And it wasn't even about the the couple. It was about having a virgin teenage daughter who they have to eat every 10 years in order to, of course, gain immortality as as every good cult wants to pursue. As you must. Yeah. And so Marshall says, what's going to happen is they're going to think you broke out of jail, you went back and you killed Aaron and Kayla. And you will then kill yourself. And you will be blamed for it. People won't care, Malik. They've already got their minds made up. They're afraid of you. And when the tides change, there will be someone else to be afraid of. There always is. There always will be. And leave, wow. he basically leaves Malik. What's supposed, Malik supposed to say to that? And Malik's right. like, just like left there that. in this. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Allison, we pick up in November 2005, and a new family is moving into that house, and it is a heterosexual oh. couple, but they are Sikh. And, of course, they have a teenage daughter. Yes. And she Post immediately sees Ty and is like— on Islamophobia. Got it. Exactly. And they're like, oh, like, who's that hunky guy smoking a cigarette across the street? Of course, it's Ty. And we hear in, um, you know, voiceover that finally uh, we, we learned that Malik has recorded everything and that he hid the CD— so the CD is hidden in the house. And we hear him talking like through his his plan and like what he thinks is going to happen. And he says, I'm recording this. This is the recording I'm, that we're hearing. Yeah, so it's like, I'm making this for you. So if you find it, you will have a chance to break the cycle. And luckily, the, jo- the cult did a piss poor job of painting over that raccoon blood because the teenage daughter looks up and is like, oh, the, the ceiling is discolored. So she okay. goes up in the attic and he's hidden the CD in the attic and she finds it. And you're like, okay, great. This will break the cycle. Unless her parents are like Aaron and they're like, oh my God, bitch. Just because you found a CD in the house doesn't mean it's real. Right. So right. in the end, hopefully she will be able to, uh, unfortunately, Malika and the entire family has been murdered. Yes. But hopefully this new family will survive. And I just want to say like, there's something, I can't remember which um, serial killer it was Gary Ridgeway. I don't know. There was some serial killer where basically he once caught admitted, yeah, I was specifically targeting sex workers because I knew the police didn't care. So I think they're using— Yes, I do remember that, reading that from some. So there is something true yeah. about the idea like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just—it's not about you. It's just that no one will care about you, and they're afraid no, of that's you. that's real. And so they will not be concerned with your death. And I thought that's why this—I like this movie because there is something so chilling about that idea. I think that's very real. <laughs> And scary. So hopefully this family will be able to play the CD. Luckily, it's not so late that they will all yeah, have CD Yeah, you could still have still. a CD player in 2005, so. At least in your car. 
I mean, and somewhere. that is the end of Spiral. So, Allison, what are some fatal mistakes you think our characters wow. made? Fatal mistakes. I mean, again, the first time that someone has broken into your house or spray-painted a slur on the wall of your living room, you tell your partner about that. You don't cover it up and stay quiet. Like, right. communicating constantly would be... And, and also just not up and leaving the second things start to feel weird. Like, I yeah. think if we know anything from all these movies, it's like, trust your gut. If this feels wrong, it probably is wrong. And again, the worst case scenario is you've left and it was nothing, but like, that seems like a better exactly. outcome. Yeah, on the other hand, you know, I've never owned a home. I don't know how easy no. it is to sell. But you know, a place like yeah. that, you could turn that around and sell that. Maybe I it'll take a so. loss, but your yeah. family will be alive. I mean, that's mainly the, that's the issue. Because like, once you bring in the, the idea of like an Im- immortality cult, well, yeah, you can't stop that. They made a deal with the devil, but you can take yourself out of the ritual before it is completed mm-hmm. in the hopes that, um, you know, or 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 I do think you could at least call the cops, tell the librarian, you know, tell people in the town, you know, but I guess maybe if they're all in on it, it wouldn't matter. And that is the yeah. implication. It's not right. just it does the seem family like the next entire, door. It's a bunch of people. Yeah. Right. It seems like the entire neighborhood was in on it and there were no safe people to talk to. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to be honest with your spouse. Tell people up front. Yeah. Maybe don't live in small towns. <sighs> I mean, listen, as someone from a small town, I think that's great advice. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that, that takes us now to the spooky scale. Allison, yes. where would you place Spiral from 2019 on the spooky scale? The spooky scale. I mean, I think, like, the mix of, like, actual horror like of like you know movie horror with the the terror of actual societal horror and mm-hmm. that exists in this makes it scarier like i think it's an 8 for me an 8 like cuz i think that what it's preying on is a very real fear which is so much harder to shake than like just a cult but like a cult that capitalizes on ostracization that we do for anybody that doesn't fit what we consider to be normal, like capital N, even that like, so I think that's very scary because that's very real. I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a six because I feel like it was scarier than I thought it was going to be. And I do feel like there's something, I do like a Rosemary's Baby type of horror where it's like, you, we know they, he got, they have to get out of there, but it's so much harder for them to realize it because again, they don't know they're in a horror movie. And right. yeah, the sort of creeping dread, the constantly returning to this horrible traumatic event from his youth, it made you, I don't know, I also think like the acting was good. I thought everyone was super creepy and, and it was well done. Yeah, this is this is my taste in horror movie, I feel yeah. like. Not a lot yeah. of laughs, but, oh. um, you know, and, and I think it's scarier because it has such a downbeat ending. I feel like if Malik had been the hero yes. and gotten them out of there, that's much less scary. But the fact that, like, yes. nah, they done. This a, is another yeah, family that's a, not going to survive. A cycle that continues is is never a fun uh, way to end a movie. Because you're just like, yes. well, I guess that's going to keep going until someone else figures it out, but it wasn't them. Yeah. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, yes. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ruin Podcast, and you could email us at ruined at the radiopoint.com. Nailed it. And, uh, you know, you got, I, I feel like we ask you to do a lot of things at the end of the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. But the, the most important thing, I think, um, though all of those extremely important, you should do them, is, of course... We can all agree. Keep it you spooky. You must. Keep it spooky. Please. Bye. Bye. 
Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.